It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back, Silver and Black. Today, the home stretch on this Tuesday. We hope your week is off to a better start than the Raiders. Oh, sorry. Um, it's not because you're a part of Raider Nation, and I know it's been tough. And we're getting it all out of the way. The postmortem on the loss in Tennessee today. And, of course, as you know, we turn the page starting tomorrow, looking ahead, answering your questions on a mailbag show again on Wednesday. And then Thursday, we look ahead to the home game at Denver which is not just a must-get game. It is a must-win-for-your-life game against Denver at home on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium, so we'll talk about that as well. Again, he is Mo Moten, national NFL writer for Bleacher Report, also columnist for SportsNot.com, covering the Raiders. Uh, you can follow him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. That's Mo Moten. I am LV Gully on Twitter. You can also catch my column once a week on sportsnot.com uh, on Wednesdays as well, where I do Raiders players stock up and stock down. I don't know if there was a stock up this past week. Well, Mac Hollins, I guess, uh, but it's going to be an interesting one to write this week. Mo, let's talk about this team too, because even though they've gotten a lot of new bodies, there's a lot of veterans on this team. That to me is one of the things that kind of eats at me and bothers me a little bit, just as somebody who covers a team, not even as a fan, is that this is happening with a lot of veterans. If you had a young team, for example, you saw the mess. You mentioned Trevor Lawrence in the last segment, um, mm -hmm. Jacksonville, and then you had the, the complete d football diarrhea that was Urban Meyer in Jacksonville and a young roster, and it was a disaster all the way around. In Las Vegas, you have a veteran roster with players who went through hell last season. How does mm. something like this occur? How does this idea that Derek Carr talks about in the press conference that people aren't practicing the way they should, that the preparation, the dedication that you need as a professional isn't there, how does that happen on a veteran roster? That's hard to explain. I don't even have an answer for you because I think you would have to be in the locker room to know and it's just, I, I think fans have pointed this out to me on Twitter, that it's just been a perpetual problem. Remember when Nelson Aguilar had that blow up in the locker room and Max mm -hmm. Crosby tried to downplay it last year? Like yep. that was happening under Gruden and, and um, people were saying, well, what's going on? And Alec Ingle talked about the practice habits. This has been a perpetual problem. My thing is, who are the guys in that locker room, again, who are your leadership guys that are, are approaching these people and saying, hey, shape up or shape out? Because mm -hmm. that has to be that has to be the message. If you're not along with the program, then we can move forward without you. And I think that if you don't have that type of mentality, other players are going to slack off. Because there's an analogy that's out there, and they say one bad apple can turn a whole bunch rotten. It mm -hmm. doesn't go the other way around. Like you don't have good apples turn a bad apple good. And it's the same thing with a locker room. If you have a few bad apples that are not practicing or not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And you're going to have other younger players who are in that locker room who may say, well, this guy's not giving 100%. Why Why should I give 100%? Waller's not giving 100%. He's not focused. Well, I'm only making a couple of million. Why do I need to be 100% focused? So I think it shouldn't be that way. Again, in the utopian world, you want your guys who are making millions to be dialed in all the way, but that's just not the case. 
and again, may, maybe this is trying to make one and one equal three. I don't know, but but you just mentioned you you hit on a couple key points there. One is you saw this under Groot. You saw this under Jack Del Rio. Going back to Jack Del Rio, okay, before Groot, this locker room stuff, these little things that happen on and on and on. Um, some people would argue, and again, this is an argument I've seen out there. I'm not making it, but I'm going to ask you, Mo. People say, what's the common denominator? The only guy that's left, which is Derek Carr. Is that fair at all to maybe even broach that question? I think it's fair because I mentioned it in the first segment, right? You've been there for nine years. This is essentially your football team. I'm not saying that the Raiders wouldn't have got Devontae Adams if Derek Carr wasn't there, but it's I'm sure it helped the fact that they had a connection. So they're building, so they're building around you. You are the centerpiece of this team. You are the face of this organization. You've been there through the team moving from Oakland to Las Vegas. You've been there during the bad times. You've got this team to the playoffs. Your voice is the most important voice in that locker room. So when guys are slacking off, yes, it's on the head coaching, it's on the head coach Josh McDaniels and his staff, but as the leader of the football team, as the guy, as the guy in that locker room, it's also on you to be part of that leadership circle to get guys on track. And that, to me, when you point to leadership issues, Derek Carr has to point back to himself, and he does that. To his credit, he does at the podium. He says, starts with me. But then what's the problem? We've been having this issue, as you said, back to the Del Rio years. I know Derek Carr is much younger then. But now that you're, you're a veteran in your ninth year, shouldn't be having these same problems. If you're the leader in that locker room, if you have the pulse of that team, it's also on your shoulders. Yeah, and to be fair, yes, Derek Carr doesn't drop passes. He doesn't leave um, his quarterback exposed. He doesn't play offensive line. He doesn't play defensive back. So I get it. It's a team game. Not one person mm -hmm. is responsible. But I think the leadership mm -hmm. question gets at some of the issues. When you have players like Devontae Adams saying he's angry and disappointed. And I didn't get from his comments, Mo, that he's just angry and disappointed because of the loss. There's something else working there. There's so, You can see in someone's face the disappointment of losing. Even Derek Carr at the podium on Sunday mm -hmm. had a different look about him. He just did. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. And so, um, especially going <laughs> into this year, because I really believe – there is absolutely zero excuses for this team to underperform. If if they were if they were losing because the offensive line was failing, then you say, well, we knew that was going to happen, or we knew they didn't address it, so you can understand it. The stuff that's happening, you can't understand. And to me, my experience in business, my experience in life, and I know we, you, you and I have talked offline as friends about this stuff many, many times. In, you have leadership, okay? And it doesn't matter what you're leading. I don't care if you're leading the local pizza joint. You're leading <laughs> uh, 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 an extermination outfit where you go kill bugs for people. It doesn't matter. A good leader will bring his people along and get the most talent out of them. So when they're not the strongest team, they'll get every ounce they can out of them. And when they are a really good team, then they all click. So so it's very curious there. And, and Adam's comments, do you think... Right now, three games in, that Devontae Adams is thinking to himself, what did I do? Yeah, I don't think it's there yet. I think it's just more frustration because, it, you know, Devontae Adams has had his opportunities. I think he should get more opportunities when the Raiders are close. I think mm -hmm. his target his target volume and the target selection is a little off, but I believe he's scored in every game so far. Yeah. So, you know, it's... It, 
I, I think it's more frustration. Again, I think it's more having to do with losing that, that he regrets leaving Green Bay because he gets to play with a quarterback that he has a rapport with. Because when it comes down to it, it's a bottom line business, and, and guys just want to win. Because once the Raiders start winning, all of that goes out the window. But I don't think he has re uh, remorse for his move or wanted to leave Green Bay for Las Vegas yet. But I want to touch on something about Derek Carr, as you said, and I want to make something clear because, again, I know people are going to run with this because when it comes to Derek Carr, people lose sense of comprehension <laughs> and they can't hear properly. But we're not we're not blaming Derek Carr for the drops. No. He said at the beginning of the show that that's on Darren Waller. Ball has his hands. He's got to bring that in. My annoyance with Derek Carr, not annoyance, but my issue with Derek Carr is the practices. If the practices aren't going the way you think they should be going, as a leader, you have to step it up. On the field, when players are dropping passes, the guys are not running the right routes, guys are not blocking, that's on them. That's on Derek Carr. Those guys have a job to do too. So there are multiple things going on with this Raider team. It's, as as most as case with most things, things are not going right. It's multiple things. It's not just one person. It's not just one position group. It's multiple things that are not going well. And the offensive line, as I pointed out in the article, the defensive line, not enough push on the interior. We've talked about this multiple times. We the, the two time. things that the two things that we talked about during the offseason, during the preseason, what did we say? The Raiders have to be better in the trenches. And on paper, yeah. they're they're not looking good. The offensive line is not settled. They don't have an interior guy that could that could make a push for the pocket. Blau Nichols, we'll see. So far, he hasn't shown up. Two years, eleven million dollar contract, seven point one million guaranteed. The guy has four tackles, four tackles and no pressures. You I need more that. than you need more than that from him. Yeah, and 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 you talk about Chandler Jones. Um, we talked about him earlier, Mo. I just don't know. I mean, they they not only brought him in to rush the passer, but they brought him as a veteran bookend to Max Crosby on the other side and to that defensive line, and clearly that's not working either. He's not, he's not the veteran leader they thought he would be, and he's certainly not the player they would be. Uh, and the other player, and I've been picking on him this week because I just think it's time to turn the page is Jonathan Abram. Um, I, I can't watch him in coverage anymore. I just can't do it. It's just awful. It's god-awful. They are targeting him, and it's easy pickings uh, for any quarterback in the NFL. I tweeted this Monday morning. He gave up a perfect passer rating against the Titans. A perfect <laughs> passer rating that means wow. every time ryan Tannehill dropped back and he was able to spot 24 he was going at 24 john abram gave up five catches for i believe 81 yards and a touchdown and oh by the way he missed two tackles and what did i say <laughs> during the offseason i said one of the things that jonathan abram has to get better at is he's got to miss fewer tackles because i believe he missed 10 percent of his tackles in the season that he played more than one game because as we know he he basically missed his entire rookie season because he banged up his shoulder but in the in the in the years he played more than one game at least 10 percent missed tackle rate yeah and he could he he whiffed on tackles took bad angles couldn't cover and it seemed like jonathan abram was turning the corner because we said on the show if you use him as a blitzer he yeah. can be effective the problem is as i said as we both said he's not going to get any better in coverage so once you have him out there in space He's a liability, and we saw that against the Titans on Sunday. Right. I mean, you, you want to give him a league minimum to be that guy? Okay. But other than that, it's 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 just horrific to watch. I can't I can't handle it anymore. Um, I promise we will end the show with a couple positives. Stay with us. Um, the last <laughs> thing I want to address, and and Vic Tafer, you mentioned his piece that that really resonated, made me think about something I had not thought of, and that was 
Mark Davis in the last month and a half. Mark Davis is the owner of the Las Vegas Aces who won the WNBA championship. Congratulations to the ladies there. Um, But Mark Davis missed the opening game, opening day game of the Raiders in Los Angeles to be with the WNBA Aces. Now, I understand they were playing for a championship, but this, again, I think Vic Tafer danced around it pretty openly that maybe Mark Davis wasn't totally checked into what was happening with his football organization. I had uh, Adrian over at 98.5 The Fan, our station in Las Vegas, interview me today, and he asked me about it, and I, I brought up this subject, and he thought I was crazy because he said, what does the owner have to do with Josh McDaniels and this team and how they're performing? And I said, again, it goes back to leadership. I can be the owner of the business. I can own, I can own a hair salon, Mo. I don't know how to do hair, but I know how to do business. And if I, it's my job to make sure everything in the organization is running smoothly, especially, especially after coming off where we lost two-time employees, a long-time employees, that were alleging improprieties and all this other stuff, which we don't know what happened there yet still. But anyway, coming off of that, he goes and hires a new president. I get she runs the day-to-day. Good for her. But Mark Davis was absent the last month and a half, okay, with this all this new stuff with the Raiders, and I'm sorry, I get he owns the WNBA team, but what is your priority? It comes down in life, you have priorities, okay? And you make priorities. And so Mark Davis, much like Darren Waller did the one time we defended him for going to the game when he was out injured, um, Mark Davis uh, had a lot more time spent on the WNBA than he did on his NFL team. And I'm not blaming him for what's happened, but certainly, when you look at it from the outside, you're kind of like, huh, that's interesting. Yeah, Vic Tafer pretty much said that he wasn't, as you say, he wasn't all dialed into the Raiders while he was celebrating or, you know, attending to the Aces. But I think he felt, and I'm just channeling Mark Davis. I don't know this for mm-hmm. sure. I'm not reporting this. But I just felt like he, he hired Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler from a well-respected organization in the Patriots. He probably felt, you know what? I can step out and these guys can run the show and I don't have to worry about it. These guys are grown-ups. They know what they're doing. They come from a respected organization where things are run properly. They can handle it. They can handle the day-to-day stuff. I'm an owner. I have to oversee everything. But for a couple of weeks, for a few weeks, they got it. Apparently, they don't got it. So now you're (laughs) 0-3 and now you're worried, like, what's what's going on? Why why did, you know, why, why are we falling behind this early? We should be a lot better because of the fans, and we expected the Raiders to be a lot better. I had them starting out at, I believe, two and one. I believe you may have had them starting out three and zero, oh. and I'm sure Mark Davis didn't have them starting out zero oh and three. He probably had them starting out pretty well after what happened last year and, and the acquisitions made. So he's probably turning around thinking, "What is going on?" But let's not make any mistake. I'm sure Mark Davis had updates on what was going on with the Raiders. I'm sure he knew they were zero oh and one, zero oh no, and two. It- and then and you, the and you bring up a really good point, which is, hey, he hired the people he believes in can run the football operation day to day on on his um, on his dollar. And so he has mm-hmm. full trust in them. And I, don't, I, I think that's a fine way to lead in most cases. I was just bringing it up because it was brought up in the story and it made me th- I never thought of it that way. I just never thought of it that way. And when you hear that from a beat writer, 
you kind of give it a little more credence just because the beat writers are hearing from people around, right? They're hearing more than we do because we're not yep. there with the team every day like they are. So, so it was very interesting. Uh, and we'll see, you know, what happens with that as it moves on. Mose, we get close to the end of the show here on a Tuesday. A couple things I want to point out on the positive side. Clearly, Josh Jacobs, when he's allowed to run the ball, has looked really good this season. Um, now, now maybe, maybe it's uh, he's staying healthy because he's not running the ball that much. I don't know, but man, he he seems like he looks like the Josh Jacobs of that first year where he just broke out and had a really good season. Um, I hope we get to see more of him. I hope we get to see more of him, but I hope we get to see more of the younger running back, the three headed monster. I don't- I don't understand. This is what baffles me also about the Raiders' running back rotation. As I said in the first segment, you draft Zamir White in the fourth round, Brenton Brown in the seventh round, but you're running out 32-year-old Brandon Bolden as your number two running back. (laughs) I understand he was with you in New England, Josh McDaniels, but you drafted these two guys to play. And like I said, you can get a third, fourth-round running back, and those guys can get plugged in right away. You did it with uh, Ramondre Stevenson. In New England, it was a fourth-round running back. He got touches early. He was involved. Zamir White has one carry for two yards. What up, y'all? It's your boy Danny Green, three-time NBA champ. You either rooted for me or rooted against me. Join myself and my co-host Harrison Sanford on the Inside the Green Room podcast. It's a podcast that brings you never-before-told tales from the locker room to candid interviews with basketball legends to breakdowns of what's happening in the NBA right now. Whether you're a diehard fan or casual about your hoops, this podcast brings you the game like never before. Follow Inside the Green Room on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Maybe. To me, that's that that that's inexplicable. And you're running out. You're an older running back, who's more of a special teams guy, a pass catcher, in my opinion. Right. I, I just think I just think he's underutilizing and misusing his talented running back room. But again, that's a conversation for a different segment and different show. It sure is. The other guy I really thought early in the Tennessee game, and and I, I jokingly tweeted it, but I was halfway serious, which was this could be the Foster Moreau game. He came out on fire. And I'm going to go this far. I know they just gave Darren Waller all the money. But if Darren Waller struggles against Denver, I say I say you bring out Moreau and give him more of a chance. Because Foster Moreau seems to be healthy. He seems to be kind of dialed in a little more. Uh, and him and Carr were clicking a little bit early on. I'd like to see more of him. I thought that was one of the positives coming out of the Titans' loss as well. I say why not line up Waller as a wide receiver and have Foster Moreau at tight end and have tight both end. on the field at the same yeah. time. You have a two t- or have two tight end sets. But I guess right now with it's hard to keep Mac Hollins. I mean, I guess you can have Mac Hollins and Devontae Adams on the field too in two tight end sets because you can have Moreau, Waller, Hollins, and Adams because Mac Hollins, he is definitely, I think he's exceeding expectations. A lot of people oh, yeah. thought he could be a spark plug, but it's funny to me how with Derek Carr, and I'm going to give Derek Carr some credit here for the Derek Carr supporters. It's funny to me how <laughs> Derek Carr can take an, uh, it just kind of like an underrated or a lesser known player and turn him into a pretty good receiver. We saw it with Nelson Aguilar. Mm-hmm. Nelson Aguilar has some down years with Philly, comes to the Raiders. All of a sudden, Nelson Aguilar is this big play receiver who gets a big contract with the Patriots. Nobody knew who Darren Waller was before he came off of the uh, Baltimore Ravens practice squad. Gets Derek Carr, great season. I, I mean, I remember even in his later years, Jared Cook has some good years with Derek Carr. 
And now we're seeing it with, with Mac Hollins. Now, a lot of people thought he would be the number three guy. Right now, he leads the Raiders in receiving yards. He has yes. more receiving yards Close than Devontae me. Adams. So he, he he's a guy that people thought, oh, he's a 3-4 guy. I thought he was a 3-4 wide receiver. Turns out he's a big play guy, averages 17.1 yards per catch with Derek Carr. So kudos to Carr for getting that guy the ball. It's like the Twilight Zone, man. We're in the Twilight Zone. Um, one last thing, Mo, and I forgot about this, this thing that was eating at my, my football soul. Can you explain to me why the Raiders, uh, even when they're passing the ball and seemingly can't run anymore because they're down two scores, why they're not running slant patterns and crossing receivers in the middle? Any idea? Didn't didn't New England do that with Wes Welker and all those little receivers, Danny Amendola and those guys? What what happened? What's going on? Why can't the Raiders run a slant? Because Josh Meows is busy running the Statue of Liberty plays and the Fumble <laughs> Roosties. That's why. Uh, he's got more interest. Oh. He's got more interest. And this goes back to my point. Keep it simple. Yeah. He'd rather run the trick play. Then to get the easy yardage on some routine patterns, and and that to me that goes back to Josh McDaniels to me just trying to outsmart the room. Keep it simple. Get the ball to your playmakers and get to the next down. And you know what is so? It's just like torch. It's like it's like a water torture. You know the, the drip, drip, drip. <laughs> yeah. For Raider Nation is that some of the things that Josh McDaniels should be supplementing his offense with to make it work better are exactly the things that John Gruden did that drove people nuts. And mm-hmm. it, it's like it's like a horror movie, <laughs> right? You complain mm-hmm. all those years about what, oh, you know, he's concerned. And then Josh McDaniels comes in and does all this stuff that's crazy or not crazy enough. And if they just did some of the things, that, if you combine the two philosophies, you might have some more balance. I think in your column you talked about balance, right? Mm-hmm. And... And suddenly they're not able to find that balance. If this team, to your point, Mo, again, I'm finishing on a positive here. If this team can find a semblance of that balance and get an identity quickly, they could do damage because I still think this offense has the ability, even with the weakness up front, I think this offense has the ability to be the kind of offense that could put up 30-plus points for four or five games in a row. Yeah, and I – I thought about this earlier today. It's crazy to to think that the 10th ranked scoring offense in the league is underachieving. Yeah. Right? The Raiders are 10th in scoring, but yet we're we're saying they should be able to put up 30 and they should. If you're if you're if they're not 26 in red zone scoring with an under 50% conversion rate, they, they could easily put up 30 a game. Yeah. And they needed that 30 a game because their defense has let them down in certain <laughs> in certain parts of of these of these contests, but I think it comes down to, as you said, and as I wrote in the column, balance. I think if they had more balance, you would see more consistency. Again, you you have to find more than one way to win a football game. You just can't go out there and chuck the ball and throw the ball 30, 35, 40 times and expect to win football games. You got to have some balance. And to me, that goes back to Joshua Daniels and his play calling. And if Derek Carr has the free reign to change plays at the line of scrimmage, he has to be able to say, no, we're checking into a run play. This is the play we're running. It's going to work. Trust me on this one. He should have the cachet. Again, he's been in the league this long, nine years. He should have the trust of Josh McDaniels, who, by the way, wanted him while he was in New England. Right. 
Yeah, no excuses anymore. I just don't I don't I don't accept any excuses. This team has to turn it around against Denver. And we're going to get into that on Thursday. We will get into the Raiders moving forward against the Broncos in that big huge massive, I don't know how else to say huge, I just said huge. Uh game at Allegiant Stadium on Sunday against their AFC West rival, the Denver Broncos. But first tomorrow Mo, we're going to do a quick and down and dirty mailbag show. We always love hearing from Raider Nation. Not as much when they are uh, ready to uh, dump everybody overboard, <laughs> uh, but we'll have the mail show tomorrow. I'm looking forward to that. I have one. I have one comment though too. Okay. You mentioned the Denver Broncos Raiders game. Yes. Guess who's guess who's favorite for that game? Uh, the Broncos. No. The Raiders are favored by two points. So for Raider Ramble yes. saying, Moe's always positive. Where's the positive now? <laughs> Vegas, the book, the odds makers also aren't giving up for the giving up on the Raiders. Obviously, the odds makers believe that the Raiders are a better team than their actual record. They're 0-3, but they're obviously you are what your record says you are, as Bill Parcells, I believe, said. But looking at this football team, they are a better football team than what their record suggests. And the odds makers apparently aren't giving up on them because they are favored against the Broncos, who, by the way, have trouble scoring the football. Just yes. Saying. Well, we'll have to see. Uh, and and the Broncos have a good defense. So I think the Raider defense is going to have to step up and play hard, and that offense is going to have to click for them to do business against the Broncos. All right, Mo, we will talk to you tomorrow on the Mailback Show. Hopefully we can make it a more positive show. Absolutely. All right. Thank you guys for listening to the Tuesday edition of Silver and Black today in Odyssey Original Podcast. Please subscribe to the podcast. Also, do us a big favor. Uh, most of you we know from the data listen on Apple Podcasts. Thank you very much for doing that. Give us a rating. Go give us a five-star rating. Put your comments on there. We've been getting more and more reviews. We certainly appreciate all the kind words, uh, as always, here on Silver and Black today. For Mo Moten, I am Scott Branson. We'll talk to you tomorrow on the Silver and Black Today Raider Nation mailbag show, and we'll uh, definitely keep it more positive for you, Raider Nation. Hang in there, and we'll talk to you next time.